I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny One-Putt. We will kick things off, turning the clock back a couple weeks to the RBC Heritage, a couple uh, ailments that prevented us from recording last week, but Ben, Josh, Tyler, and Ken all going down for the Saturday round of the RBC Heritage and playing the sister course on Sunday. We'll recap all of the fun from that weekend. We'll look at the Zurich Classic from this past week, the two-man event, what we saw from that, and you know, another off-week event for the PGA Tour. We had Live Australia kind of knock it out of the park on an off-week for the PGA Tour. We'll talk a little bit about Australian golf and how it seems like the PGA Tour kind of missed the mark with that. We had a major championship on the women's side. We'll talk about that. And then coming up this week, we have the Mexico Open, the Vidanta Mexico Open. John Rahm, the reigning champion. Tony Finau coming in second last year, also in the field. Looking forward to a good week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod and check out our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. Thanks, everyone, for being here. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, we are back after a little hiatus. I'll put this one on my shoulders. I got sick while we were on our vacation down in Hilton Head, so missed last week, so we got a little bit of catching up to do with the RBC Heritage. Uh, We'll start there. So me, Josh, Tyler, Ken went down, spent a long weekend there, missed you, Tully, missed you, Colin. Uh, We had a great week. We got to go to the tournament on Saturday. We got to play the sister course at Sea Pines, uh, Atlantic Dunes on Sunday. That was a fun experience. Uh, Define fun. Yeah, fun as in the course was pretty and, and it, <laughs> it was, was a nice course, but it didn't, the scores weren't great. So <laughs> let's just go around. What do you guys, what were your favorite moments from the trip? And uh, Tully, too, we want to hear about yeah, your viewing experience on this last few holes because Jordan Spieth really looked like he had one there. We're talking trip or tournament? You start. Mm, I don't know. Um, well, it was super cool to be at the actual tournament itself. Um, but one observation, I was just drawing my, because it's been like a week and a half since we got back. Like one of the biggest things I noticed is like the Spieth heads out there. Um, like I was trying yeah. to think careful, Ken, I know I wanted, I <laughs> Tread lightly. I wanted, I wanted to start here as a row telly up cause he wasn't there. Um, and you know, Spieth had the, you know, we can talk about who, what, who actually won the tournament it wasn't him. Um, I was, I thought Rom maybe had the biggest falling, but I feel like Spieth by far to me, it seemed like had the biggest falling when we were like. Rom had a really big follower out there on the first fairway. Yeah, yeah. Eve yelling at him in Spanish. <laughs> that was so much fun. Yeah, one Tio! Spanish, one Spanish follow. But we were so we were trying to follow Vic a little bit, even though he's fallen off on that last on that Saturday. But then uh, he was the group ahead, and there was probably six guys watching him tee off, right? And then the right when Speed's coming up after, probably five hundred people plus kids, yeah. and just like started running, kind of like towards to get positioned, like. And they weren't they weren't going ahead to position themselves. They were just like following him directly. Yeah. So that was one big thing that I didn't expect to see. I thought it was pretty cool. The people love Jordan. David. I mean, outside they of do. Rory and Tiger, is he probably the next most popular golfer? 
in the U.S. I mean, it, it probably would have been Maybe. Ricky before that. Yeah. And then Ricky's obviously had a you know pretty significant fall off, and I think he's kind of cemented himself. It's definitely one of those roles. You could argue JT, but he doesn't maybe have, I think, the same... Like, there's not a lot of, like, hate on Jordan other than that he talks to himself on a golf course. <laughs> but people like that, though. Yeah, which is... It's, it's relatable kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to give him that yeah. title. Well, and I think there's something, too. He was coming in as defending champion, yeah, so, point. you know, he's carrying an extra flag there that week with the... Uh, the Tartan fans. flag, so to speak. Yeah. I think Scotty starts to enter that conversation, be similar to Jordan, kind of like that nice guy that everyone can get behind, like a, you know, <laughs> you know, married, like simple life, like, you know, plays golf for a living. But if he didn't, he'd probably, you know, work being like a manager to staple manager to staples or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Just like, but I think that we also got to see Scotty, right? I was thinking... Someone asked me, like, if you if you could have just everyone you saw at the golf tournament, like who maybe seemed a little larger than life or who looked different than you expected. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was Scotty for me. Like looking because he's like eight Scott feet tall. I don't You're know. Like Scotty, dude, like, I was like Scotty. Scotty looks hot, he looks a little chiseled. Like, guy. yeah, yeah. I yeah. think his little like his 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 rounder face on TV doesn't do him any yeah, justice. And then in so person, true. he's quite a he's quite a stud. They actually say that about me too in our Instagram <laughs> videos. I'm way more chiseled than We are a little rounder in our well, Instagram videos. They're also tan too. Like they're like all just like really live in the sun and trim. His uh, his Nike fit from Dick's looks a lot better in person <laughs> than it does on TV too. You could tell John Rom definitely had the it factor, and I would say like I'm pretty I'm pretty flabbergasted. I think that Scotty looked like he had it, like he looked like the guy that is world number one or could be you know is a rotating world number one, and just he looks so within himself. And I like that you, we saw a little fire out of Scotty too. He had some bad breaks there at the tournament. Uh, I think that people don't realize that Ted Scott is caddy. <laughs> It's such a good caddy for him because Scotty actually gets a little hot under the brim and Ted kind of is there to keep him a little bit more even keel. You literally said that, I think, out loud. Like, he looks like a world number one. Like, he does. Yeah. There's something about him, man. He's I, he's starting to gain a lot of momentum, like, as far as fans go. It's yeah. it's partially because he's that, you know, nice guy. All but, shucks. But more so, shucks, like, yeah. he's entering that conversation just with Rom of, like, people want to see greatness. <laughs> like, he yeah. is clearly better than everybody else out there every given week other than, you know, maybe one or two guys. And he's consistently in that conversation. And like we saw, we saw it at the Masters, we saw it again this week. He's got some fire, too. Yeah. I mean, his putter is atrocious right now, and he was he was kind of showing it out there, which you like to kind of see a little bit of emotion out of these guys. It's hard to believe. You know, we, so last year for Rom, his putter went cold. Now Scotty's putter is going a little cold. I mean, we're quite in like a – we're only in like a one-month span yeah. of Scotty's putter being cold. But then Jordan went through some putting woes. We know Rory doesn't always putt that great. I think all these guys that kind of set up at the top when their putter's on, Morikawa, when his putter's on, right, these guys can just blow away a field. What was your uh, what was your guys' favorite hole to watch, you think? What was the best spot to watch on the course? Well, we sat on that par 3 seventh, right, which yeah. from the tee. That's what I was going to say. From the tee, yeah. there's the tr- two trees that kind of overhang the sides of the green. And from the tee, you know, there, you can see like a 15, 20-yard gap, and it still looks like a challenging <laughs> it hole. It looked but then, really tight. But then once we got up to the hole, like the way the trees hang and the angle, we're like, wait, where are you supposed to hit this thing? And a ball that ends, a ball that's going at the right side of the green will hit that tree and end up at a bunker that's a 40-yard bunker shot. I mean, it's a tough hole. Well, it was crazy because, like you said, we were standing a little short of the green. It didn't look like there was an opening, and we saw at least a third of the balls. You can't carry it over the trees and land it on the green. you got to go through that chute. So if you don't hit it right down the middle, it's clanging around in the trees. We saw Tommy's ball come way back cool. to right where we were cool. standing. A lot of guys go in that bunker and – you know, for us, that would be like, if I can get down in four shots from here, I'm going to be ecstatic. Right. And them, it's like, they he didn't even take that much time. He just walks up, checks the green, and hits this perfect pitch shot to 15 feet. It's like, yeah, okay. That's why did, they're so much better than us. Did he make the putt? 
I don't no, he missed so. the putt. No, it was like a ten or fifteen yeah. footer. I mean, it was a like he burned the lip with it, but it was it was truly one of those moments where the ball was visibly kind of sitting down in more of a trampled area. He had to go under a tree. You trampled it. Yeah, I was. You're literally there. like I, I was standing right there, and got nice and flat. Yeah, so <laughs> he hit it over the bunker, under the tree, into a fairway to bump it on the green. I mean, it was just a shot that like. I don't know. I just see us like nine balls out of 10 or either hitting the tree, going in the bunker or we're blading it. Like I don't see us succeeding at that shot more than 10% of the time. Well, two things I noticed there. One was um, how the, how the uh, course was filmed. It was pretty cool. They had like the, um, those big kind of arm uh, video cameras All and 40 foot long yeah, arms. They were really cool. And a drone and like two guys on feet on foot. And you could tell early in the day we weren't following and people that have been to golf tournaments. They're like, yeah, obviously it happens, but I haven't been to that many. So it was pretty cool to see. Um, and like, it, the, the later guys had this whole thing following them. It was a pretty cool system. And like you're walking on the path and you're following like this 30 foot arm. It's just, it's just going up the path, which was cool. And the second thing like I thought was cool is um, Fleetwood like really walked up and like, I know professional golfers do this, but it was really cool to see him like walk up, visualize the shot, find stand, his spot, yeah. stand there for two minutes, walk back and then hit it. Like I, this is something that we just don't do a lot because we want to just keep it moving. But like, Maybe I should try that. A Do little like bit more. the full pre-shot routine, <laughs> like, yeah. pick a spot to land it. Yeah, and, you know, be careful. Golf Twitter will call you out for slow play, so you better better watch your pre-shot yeah. routine. But that was like I think I think like, like holistically that was a really cool experience to see all this stuff happening at once because we had a good spot. I'm curious, Ken, and I guess everybody else, but mostly Ken. Like how how do you feel about <laughs> going to this tournament? Because I think this is probably one of your first real PGA Tour yeah. actual events versus when we were down at the Presidents Cup. Like, would you have a, like, obviously those are very different, but I'm just curious. I felt like the, it's interesting. It's a good question. I think, well, the President's Cup is all about like, you know, team competition. So you're kind of like following everybody at once and watching the scoreboards with this. It was just like follow one guy kind of, I mean, I think the course at the President's Cup felt more open maybe. And this felt more like hole to hole, more intimate. I don't know if I'm right in the actual course design, but that's the experience. It felt like that. So yeah, I think I thought it was pretty comparable. President's Cup's a little more of a party, but I think at Hilton Head at the 17 and 18 was a huge party like they put all the party towards the end and which was i don't know was very good for the golf we couldn't really see the holes but uh, that, i don't know that was the kind of it was like hilton had had spots that were felt like a big party i feel like it felt like they really partitioned the golf and the non-golf yeah. you were either yeah. in a golf area or you were in a non-golf no area. one was watching golf when we went to the president's cup it all felt kind of intertwined right yeah. everyone there was there for the golf because it's the president's cup at the rbc heritage which i think we'll see a lot more with elevated events and just the pga tour in general they want casual i know about golf fans to come out and enjoy it and maybe watch a couple holes but then head on over to the quote-unquote holes like yeah. the, the area the big yeah. party area on like 16 or 16 17 18 it was called like what the lawn or something yeah, heritage lawn yeah heritage and like there was grandstand, so like on. there was probably people there all day. It looked super fun, but like we were trying to watch golf, so we were like, "Wait, how do we get?" Around? There were probably twenty thousand people there that didn't see a single golf Can't shot. Can't see <laughs> golf yeah. on seventeen or eighteen. So yeah. is that where the ladies spent most of their time? Uh, they were with us, and then Dara and Eve bailed a little early. Allie, Allie wanted to watch golf. I'll give Allie mad props. She yeah, wanted to see the I golf. think she was very pleasantly surprised with how much fun she had because I think you go there and you're like. All I'm going to do is watch golf, and that's boring. Well, but drink, like drinking all day, especially a place like that, you're walking <laughs> around with drinks, and you're seeing, you know, the sound, and you're you're seeing everything going on. You get to see the players up close and personal, which is one thing I think she really appreciated. Yeah. And there's definitely a full. She seat. also thought Scotty was looking yeah. real fit. Oh real yeah, chill. oh yeah, you <laughs> go oh, in. Yeah. Uh, I think there's definitely a full swing impact out there, too, from the documentary. I mean, mm. Allie even said, she's like, I want to follow Fee now. I want to follow Scott, like, just because they were on the documentary. True. And I think that's building more of the casual fans to come out there and, and want to follow those guys that were in it. 
Yeah, Tony, his feet are big, confirmed. <laughs> yeah, very big. Can confirm. Very big. I don't know if he, I think the, the only person on that golf course I saw that was bigger, taller than Tony Finau was Tommy Fleetwood's caddy. That guy was oh an absolute God. unit. Yeah. Six, six, tatted, strong. Oh, my God. But I don't think he's there to do anything else other than just, like, move people and just. He's there know. for crowd control. Well, I, I had to look up whether he, he was, us. like, his bouncer. But yeah. he was a top amateur golfer with Fleetwood. No kidding. Uh, and then, so they were really good friends, and that's how he ended up on the bag. I don't know why it surprised me, but when he told us to maybe move back a couple feet to give Tommy some room for that shot, he was British. I don't know why that surprised me, but I was like, whoa. You hear some of these guys talk. He's like, no problem, Mike. No, that was now great. he's Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do a British accent, dude. I'm so bad at it. Uh, when he was on the putting green, that was a pretty cool experience. Like the guy, there's the golfers and their caddies, and like the guy, the guys that just like walk around and like have the coolest gig. Like I don't know the putting coaches or the the whoever there's allowed to be on there. That's the coolest spot yeah. to be. But like that's where you network. Like you just tell these guys we're just like talking to each other and making deals. Don't you love like when the guys come out of the locker room? You know, I don't know. Everyone's got a different routine, but some of them get there a couple hours before their tea time. They're going to put a little, chip a little, range a little. They come out with their shirts like fully untucked, and they're in like sneakers. Well, yeah. yeah, and they're Vic just might like be more of an like, exception. Yeah, it's like a couple hours before their tea time. They're just out there like untucked shirts. Bowl, so. Yeah, he just he just burned one. Yeah, so. yeah, seriously, that meme was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Vic came out untucked, hat up, just started smiling, walking around with everybody. I I was also shocked with we were there late in the day. How many guys stay after their round and like grind? And yeah. like pra- practice putting, practice on the range. Like normally, you hear about you know one guy. Oh, he went to the range afterward. The range was full. There even, were fifteen guys hitting even the older guys hitting range balls, and then t- five ten guys on the putting green. Like, like Ernie Els, well after the round. Like he, what's yeah. he got to practice? Isn't like, it a little Kutcher, annoying? Yeah, a guy Kutcher's goes and, out there. A guy goes and hits balls after the round. And like Bryson was always a perfect example of like he'd always go bang balls, and they're like, yeah, he's really working on his swing. It's like. Well, there's also 20 other guys out there. They're just yeah. running a narrative. It's really Which weird. Which I, I never really realized. I just heard the narrative, like you said, of like one or two guys doing it. But it's it's pretty common. And we saw Kevin Streelman on the putting green, like visibly upset with his putting. And him and his caddy were kind of working on like his shoulder lines or something like that. And he started draining them. Goes out and shoots like six under the next day. And we're <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we should have yeah. seen it coming. He's making we like every that putt. moment that he had the epiphany. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about Atlantic Dunes. So we did the tournament on Saturday. Had a fun night Saturday. Woke up Sunday, played Atlantic Dunes, which is the sister course, also on the Sea Pines property to where the RBC Heritage was played. What a wonderful course. The Davis Love III design cost us an arm and a leg, right? We had, so we, we already knew this round was going to be expensive. <laughs> and as we're driving in the gate, they make us pay nine bucks for the car to be like on the Sea Pines property. And we're like, oh, just add it to the bill. I know. Well, <laughs> come to find out, it was supposed to be refunded back yeah. to us. So we, uh, we screwed that up. We just up. had to eat that $9. Yeah. Well, based on how much the drinks cost at the clubhouse, the $9 is like a right. penny. So we go we go and shell out like 300 bucks for this round, right? We're all like, but it's okay. It's vacation. We're going to enjoy it. There's just not many other options. So we pay our money. We look around the pro shop a little bit, but we're like, wow, we're so broke. We can't afford anything in here. So we go, <laughs> we go straight to the like the 19th hold, order some drinks. I'm like, yeah, four double transfusions, please. $119 for four double transfusions. I mean, I just, I think, yeah, I right there could have melted. I was like, unbelievable. Well, the, I mean, Tyler was picking up the tag, <laughs> I know. so it, we felt really bad. It was but, a good week for profit sharing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, to be fair, I think, well, that was not fair at all, but I think the... the, <laughs> the How'd you defend them? <laughs> The go, uh, the turn the one there's another bar at the turn that it was like thirty percent less we should have just went there I know we got we got duped the clubhouse seriously. was like more of a restaurant type yeah thing, and it was like I just hate I hate I hate when bars do the 
if you get a double, they just charge you double. I'm like, there's other ingredients in there. It was like $29 like, transfusion. I, I, I will say, I think we got off to a rocky start, but, <laughs> but past that transfusion, it was good. Debacle, it was good. That course was incredible. Yes. Everybody there was, I've never been anywhere where they were more friendly. All yeah, the starters riding around, Rangers checking in on you. I mean, it was, it was an extremely positive experience outside of the, the $50 transfusion drink. Well, it's like when you go to Disney World and everyone has their name tag, like where they're from. Like everyone yeah. that worked there was from another place. Like they're all just retired and worked there. Some guy was from somewhere in Maryland or either like somewhere in PA. Yeah. yeah. And we we're like, yeah, we're from Frederick. He goes, oh, way out there. We're like, that's not that much of a country <laughs> town anymore, but well, I know you've probably been down here for 20 years. He was wearing his Orioles hat and like a like, ton of people were saying like, he got a lot go, of comments. Because those are hot right now. So yep. at, the at the tournament, it'd be like 10 people said that. Um, but I, I mean, this is like real amateur shit, but I like it when they let you take actual, not that I know how to take a proper divot, but when you actually can take a divot on the range, like it's real grass, Grass, yeah. it's not oh, like, yeah. it's not like, a, you know, like they have a whole bag of balls for free and they do that. So that was fun. We got an actual, for free. We had, well, yeah. <laughs> for $300, <laughs> it, you know, take, get an actual range session. I'll stop that. Nice. I'll stop. But you, I mean, you were two under through three, so well. So like, so we hit a couple range balls, right? We head over to the first tee. We're a little early. So there's a practice putting green there and we start putting and I'm like, these are the nicest greens I've played on in probably a decade. I mean, they were just unbelievably pure, tons of grain, super fast. But I think that they, they're probably very comparable to the course that the tour was playing and probably even better because they have a little less foot traffic. Oh, I was yeah. pretty impressed. That, that was the hardest thing by far for me. Even uphill, it would like slide. Yeah. And I didn't, I was not used to that. Like it would just not, and Dub was like, hit it twice as soft as you think you have to hit it. And I kept blowing <laughs> it by the hole every time. There's it's nothing like burning just like an edge. league play, baby. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like burning an edge and having like Shank an eight footer back. Yeah. I, I think we definitely were struggling by the end. I think the uh, prior days festivities were catching <laughs> up to us a little bit. So I, th I personally ran a bit out of steam, but all in all, looking back on it, I was a little worried about the price tag, but well worth it. I mean, yeah. it was a cool experience. Unbelievable golf course, pretty cool layout, a lot of really interesting holes, especially the one that we, uh, Tried to film. Yeah, we were going to film like the it's like well. the part three fifteenth or something like that. Beautiful hole into the sound. Back right? towards the beach. The wind's beach blowing behind 30 it. miles you an hour. You can see a kite in the background, but then we roll up and there's like a 30 mile an hour wind and we're like, guess we got to do this. <laughs> I think we had like three out of four balls were out of play. We're like, yeah. we're not going to film this. Oh, I think that's what you, you got to post that. <laughs> People need to see the human we'll side. We'll see what we can it. cobble together. Yeah. Uh, I got to say though, I'm a little concerned here and like how much you guys struggled over what I assume had to have been a slightly more docile trip than our usual golf trip. You guys are really struggling after just, you know, a day and a half of Well, I, I think there's a so. little bit of a caveat here. It wasn't like, oh, we drank too much. It was we were out in the sun. I didn't put any sunscreen on. We walked twenty thousand. I drank 25, a bottle of water for ten hours out in the sun. I think it was the dehydration caught up to me. All right, because you're maybe definitely really hydrated on the golf trip, aren't you? Yeah. We walked eight miles on the course though that day. Yeah, yeah come to find out see. your phone tracks your steps like very <laughs> intricately. We were all like we were like comparing our gait like size, <laughs> like, like how many steps we took and step gate. efficiency. Yeah. Fun Big trip. step efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be a lesson learned. I mean, we were walking the entire time. I mean, we stopped occasionally, but maybe next time we go to a tournament, we walk half the time, and then half the time we post up in the shade and actually hang out a little that bit. Was the, I think that I was the only... Tyler's always yeah. the post up. The only <laughs> tough part, there just weren't too many places to post up. There weren't yeah. too many places to sit on a grassy knoll under a tree. It was all like, you know, flat, or you had to be in stands and pay money to have these special tickets. So that just wasn't us. What do we got up here? <laughs> Oh, God. Don't even. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, let's move into some of the golf that happened last week. We had 
right? On the PGA Tour, we had the two-ball event, the Zurich Classic, which is never really high on anyone's radars, but it's always fun seeing these guys play with, I don't know, people they went to college with or friends from their hometown, or maybe they play at the same golf course. I don't know. Sung JM calls up Keith Mitchell a few weeks before and says, hey, you want to play in the Zurich? And he's like, with you, absolutely. That ended up being a really fun pairing. Um, but Davis Riley and Nick Hardy getting, getting it done. I mean, that's a good win for those guys, but it definitely doesn't add to the storyline here. Those are, I mean, Davis Riley's a good golfer, but uh, I don't know, having someone like Colin Morikawa and I don't know, Homa win it, they missed the cut, right? Or having Xander and um, Cantlay win it would have been a better storyline. But I had some money on some guys this weekend, so I was gen- generally interested in what was happening. I mean, Xander and Cantlay shooting like nine under round two with an alternate shot. That was impressive. They still didn't win the thing, but... uh. All in all, I think it's a fun event. They just need to do a little bit better, like hype around it. I think the format's really fun. Yeah, I, I I'm a little disappointed because I want to really enjoy this format, but it just it wasn't there for me. Like the the idea of a different format, I think I talk about it. I think we've talked about it a lot. Like we want to see the PGA Tour do different things, and that's what makes the Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup so much fun. So this was like, oh, this is awesome. But like, I just couldn't find myself getting that interested in this and watching it. There are some cool storylines, some cool pairings. I'm finding myself become more of a more of a uh, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick guy, and so following him and his brother was really cool, and and especially him coming off the win. So. Following the different storylines was kind of what I was was there for, but watching the actual golf, just the what is it four ball, just just gets a little old to watch. I feel like because it's it just starts playing a little. You know they play slow, and you're just seeing a birdie fest and alternate shot. Really interesting to follow, but the but the other thing I think was a little dull for me. Yeah, Matt Fitzpatrick playing with his brother was pretty cool. This is Alex's first pro event as a designated pro. I think he's probably played in pro events as an yeah. amateur. But it was fun. Like, you know, um, I think in the alternate shot, him and Matt fell a little flat. But in, in best ball, four ball, I mean, Alex made a ton of birdies. I, I watched some of their feature group coverage, like, on Sunday. And, you know, Alex looks like he's got the tools. I think that it's funny watching Matt kind of pat him on the back. Like, <laughs> don't worry, buddy. Like, you'll get him next time. Like, Matt's like this seasoned pro. And yeah. to us, he's still kind of like a up-and-coming star. But to his brother, he's just like a god, you know. Yeah. Well, we didn't even talk about uh... – the finish at RBC if we've totally wants to reflect on that I mean speaking of Fitzpatrick and Spieth but I don't you know we don't have to I just want to give Tully the opportunity yeah we didn't let's go back to it yeah because right <laughs> Fitzpatrick coming off of a win in a 3-0 <laughs> yeah. playoff I mean it was a lot of fun to watch I mean you want to avoid that this though? is a good example of like how these elevated events are just becoming they're really becoming a lot of fun to watch and RBC being an elevated event Matt Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth in a playoff Tully how did how are you how are you feeling there on the back nine uh, I mean, I, I've I was feeling real good, you know. I, I went out, mowed the lawn, got some nice crisp lines, <laughs> and then posted up with my post lawn mowing beers and got to wash beers. Yeah, oh, well, it was originally just gonna be like a beer or two, and then it gets to that damn playoff, and you see Jordan lips out, you know, the winning putt on the first playoff hole. Oh, brutal! So there goes th- two more beers, and then it goes yep. the next one. It's a great shot, horrible putt. Two more beers. Two more beers. <laughs> and again, and then you see Fitzpatrick stuff it on, on the third hole, and it's just like, ugh. It was heartbreaking. Like, I, I was a, he played really well, so I, you can't really be, like, too upset in the grand scheme of things. He won it last year. He's trying to spread the wealth around kind of thing. Nice maybe. guy. Yeah, you know, that's why everyone likes him no, so much. Shucks. He's just, just such a good man. But, I mean, it was painful to see him not close it out, and like I said, I think he lipped out two different putts on the playoff holes, so... It sucked, but I mean, it's good. I don't want him to get that early season win too, you know, quick. Here, he's got to be right in perfect prime position entering the PGA. So, you know, keeping keeping it positive up here. 
Yeah, I, I think the the flip side though is I don't want to take anything away from Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah, he got a little good fortune, but he went out there and won this. He won for it, yeah. sure, and he had a couple of lip outs not what we were talking in his about, own though. right, <laughs> and so stuffing that on eighteen finally to put this uh, playoff out so we didn't have to keep watching them miss birdie putts was I know, great that's what it became it was a good finish i was just worried it's like someone's gonna three putt and lose this thing and that didn't happen he stuffed it and and had the proper send-off and this was the storyline this is you know they they kept showing him this is where he went every year as a kid and he always said outside of a major this is the tournament i want to win so pretty cool to see him take home that tartan jacket i think those two guys being in the playoff and then I think historically, I kind of think of both of them as just really good putters, but they're slowly becoming two of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour, and their strokes gained approach is really what's taken in there. The classic stat was always like, someone always asked, like, what defines the best players on the PGA Tour? And you'd think maybe total driving because Rory and Rom hit the ball far, or putting because Jordan makes all the putts. And well, it's turning into it's ball striking, right? It's approach to green, and these guys that are leading those categories, I think, are going to have the most success going forward. So, I don't know, Matt Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth. I mean, for an elevated event, the PGA Tour has got to be loving that. Well, in an unreal final grouping, too. You throw those two, like, you know, pretty well-liked guys out there, and then you put Cantlay, who's quickly turning into the uh, nemesis of the PGA <laughs> it's Tour. Unbelievable. The guy everybody loves to hate because of how slow he plays. I would like to just add one comment on the slow play <clears throat> narrative, and then we can we can move on. But I think the one thing about slow play is that, yeah, no one likes it. But I think if the PGA Tour players were really that upset about it, they would happily implement rules to make sure guys aren't playing too slow. It's over the past couple of decades, they've played around with like shot clocks and stuff like that. But like on the 15th hole in the back nine of a championship Sunday, a guy takes three to five minutes to hit a shot. Like all the, his playing competitors are probably like, God, just get on with it. But nobody would want to be incurred a penalty or made play faster. So I think the whole slow play narrative is just really made up by like golf Twitter. What was the what was the one where Cantley had to hit it off the wood? Yeah, that was that's <laughs> that took yeah. brutally He's long, but he ended up making <laughs> like the right decision. Minutes, yeah. yeah, he did like in the on the that was when Rom was commentating on it, and he was yeah. like, "This is stupid. Don't do this. Like, I would not do this." And another, he took forever, but it worked out. Another subplot: Rom was saying he uh, wants to get into actual commentating. Yeah, once he, retires, once he retires. Yeah, I think that was a great, great little aside from them. I mean, God forbid, yeah. John Rom, like he's got to be exhausted at this point, but bringing him on the coverage to do a little shot by shot analysis, I think yeah. that was unreal. Stuff and then it was, it was incredible because he like prefaces the whole thing with like, <laughs> guys, bear with me. This is not my day job. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. The first time I've ever done it. And just listening to him break down all these shots was incredible in its own right. And then he gets to that point and he's like, oh my gosh, now I know how you all feel sitting up here yeah. commentating. Like you're Feeling living time. and dying on every every second when Cantlay decides to play it off the uh, railroad ties there. I would love to see more of that. I mean, like, um, I think they did it, um, who was it, like Ben Griffin did that, like he put the AirPods in and like yeah. was yeah. walking. Like they should just do at least one of those. Home has done it. Rory's done it. Keith Mitchell did it. I think he, that stuff's really good. JT did it. Yep. The last thing I was going to say about like the, I guess the RBC um, and then to Zurich is like, do you think the events that aren't elevated just feel or they feel unelevated now, <laughs> like they don't feel important. They're kind of like, I'm not, we're not an elevated event. We're not like the cool ones anymore. I felt that a little bit like watching a little, I don't know. Is that going to be like a negative impact on these tournaments? I mean, just as a, you know, probably, right? I mean, I mean to some extent, yes. But I feel like a lot of those elevated, non-elevated events were almost always that way anyways. Yeah. Like, you know, like you occasionally would get, you know, a good storyline or you get a, you know, random big name like a theory. 
you know, Homa and Morikawa should have been so much fun to watch all week, but then they just didn't make the cut. That's true. Maybe like, this is the case that a lot of the top guys just didn't perform, basically. And, and I mean, like, there wasn't many top guys similar to what we're going to see in this week's tournament. Like, there's not a lot of star power out there. Yeah, but so if, like, Sungjae won or Sahith won, it'd be, cut, you know, like, something like that. Yeah, it's really good all about, like, the other storylines, and it's, like, you almost feel like you don't want those big guys to go out to those events just strictly so you can maybe see those other storylines, see some, you know, new faces. Yeah, yeah. these these elevated events have really been a home run. I mean, yeah, I maybe it's so. just coincidental. They've had really great finishes, but I'm, I think it's more because you're getting the best guys there playing for a lot more. And it's really pushed these, these events, elevated, non-elevated, like, they almost feel like a half major. Like, yeah, everything is it's absolutely top fields. They're playing for a ton of money and you feel it at the end. Like these guys care but versus they, the other yeah. ones are, you know, exactly what Tully said, more of a building block for the, the guys not quite there. The last thing I'll say on that, I, maybe maybe it's a coverage thing. Like maybe for these non-elevated events, they should do the coverage a little different rather than following the final pairing and stuff. They should do like spotlights on new guys and like right. actually follow people for six holes and like get, get us to learn about like you can't just cover it the way you always covered it. Maybe they'll be more creative about that because like, to me, it just was not as exciting. You know, yeah. And admittedly, the Zurich's going to be a tough one for that. Like, yeah. just Switzerland's because, pretty far away. Because there's just like random. <laughs> <laughs> random. <laughs> it's, but like there's just really random pairings out there though. Like you see like, Louisiana. Like, like Davis Duvall and, uh, and David Jack Duvall Daly. and uh, John Daly. Daly. Yeah. It, I didn't Daly. say Jack Daly, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> Jack but, whiskey to whiskey. He's out in Switzerland. <laughs> Yeah, catch that but guy. like, it, there are some very like just odd pairings out there that like no one really wants to know about, and like they're just kind of there because Joe Schmo was like, "Oh, I get, I get to play in this event. I need someone to play with me," and they pull in whoever they can find. Yeah, we're really gonna have to kind of just know our expectations have to be low for these events. But I do think they're gonna spread the wealth a little bit with what becomes elevated. So some of these events will get their chance in the in the in the starlight. But then you know these events that we saw like the Zurich and the Honda and stuff like that are. Going to end up being places for people to kind of make their hay and then eventually end up in the elevated events. So when you talked about the Zurich, let's move into the live event this week. I think it was a huge success for them. I think for a multitude of reasons. I'm not sure the golf was that overly impressive. I mean, I'm happy Taylor Gooch played like a dog. He shot 10 under, 10 under in the first two rounds, had like a 10-shot lead going into round three. Shoots like one over, still wins by five. So... Good for him. I mean, he was kind of an upcoming player on the PGA Tour anyways. I like him a lot. You think Chase Kepka's life peaked? Yeah, Chase Kepka had the hole-in-one, right, on the watering hole. But I think mm-hmm. ultimately, in my opinion, is what this boils down to is it was a good week for Liv. I'm not trying to knock that, but it was a huge week for Australia. They just yep. they have just been sucker-punched with never really having big events in their country, right? And they have such a big fan base for golf. This was a major event for them. I think the PGA Tour really has dropped the ball, like not engaging Australia in that in that same conversation, like even Asia. Like there's a huge market over there. And that ends up probably where live I think that's where they end up living, right? Because <laughs> it's just where they get their biggest fan bases and where they have the biggest turnout. Yeah, I think the Australian golf point is is definitely where, you know, the PGA Tour needs to take note of. Uh, like I mean, we saw it at the President's Cup a few years back when they were in Australia and like the people were out there. They were excited. They love golf. They were they were pretend U.S. fans that were just Australians that they paid to be there. But like, <laughs> it was they were very passionate about it, and you saw it again that they were just excited to be out there seeing these guys that they only can see on TV. I mean, it's it's a lost market for whatever reason, and, and like, yeah, it's it's a hike. But a lot of these guys go and play in Europe, and then they're in Dubai and stuff like that for various like little events. Why not throw in? 
you know, an Australian event. Yeah, I guess it comes down to like corporate sponsorships are mostly in the U.S., which is why the PGA Tour can't branch out because they are they are leaving a lot on the table by not going international. And I think this weekend you got to look at this was a big reason Cam Smith left the PGA Tour. I mean, he was a top five guy, top five season last year. He's just like, I want to play in front of my yeah. My, I totally respect it. My uh, compadres back home and and play in front of the Australians and and he gets to on live and he wouldn't be able to do that on the PGA tour, especially with like the quality of tour caliber players that have come out of Australia. I mean, and, and without even fostering like a PGA, a PGA tour, a sub PGA tour there. Right. And the PGA tour has really dropped the ball on this. Did you know that the tour there is called the PGA tour of Australasia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most tournaments, <laughs> most tournament wins, Greg Norman. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Speaking uh, of Greg Norman, has everyone, I think seen the Will Ferrell Going to play oh, I did see some satirical <laughs> version of oh, Greg yeah. Norman in like a new series about like rival league uh, creating to rival the PGA Tour. It should be stuff. hilarious. Oh my gosh. They'll just, I, just do exactly what happened in real life. I mean, all the live fanboys are going to hate it because they're going to be like, this is bullshit. You're not portraying the tour correctly, but it's you know, as a somewhat PGA Tour fanboy, I think it's going to be absolutely hilarious because they're going to pick and pull at every little thing that really wasn't that big of a deal, but they're going to make it hilarious. I was seeing like some of some people were putting out uh, hypothetical cast choices and it was like, a chunkier Jonah Hill playing Patrick Reed. <laughs> Rob, Don't Rob, do Jonah like that. <laughs> but it was just like from that time frame of his life. Uh, Rob Riggle playing Brooks Kepka. Oh like that. <laughs> See so Jonah good. Hill like slicking his hair back, yeah. playing like the enemy. Oh my god! Is that like is it like coming out soon, or is that in development right now? I think it's Probably just in development, like very early just got stages. But yeah, like yeah. Will Ferrell signed on to do it, or maybe he even you know came up with the concept because like, he is a golfer, I believe, as well. So I mean, I think that's going to be just a. Very entertaining way, and in a different way, like than full swing, another way to kind of grab some of those so true. casual golf fans because it's like somewhat based in reality, and they're going to be interested enough. So. Like like people that didn't watch golf if they watched the Phantom of the Open, it was just a feel good movie, yeah. right? It never hit big. Like this will probably hit big, but another example of like getting golf out there. Can I add one more? Th- I'm I'm not going to. I'm fascinated by this. There was an Australian Masters that ended in 2015. Yeah. Do you know the Tiger Woods one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tiger he, Woods has won every tournament. Ian everywhere. Poulter won. Justin Rose. Man, it used it, to be their flagship event. But I it know. ended in 2015. I wonder why. Bring that back. Yeah, I don't know. I also want to bring up. So they had the what, quote unquote watering hole, like a stadium hole, a par three, kind of like what we've seen at the Waste Management. I think another big success for them. Chase Kepka getting a hole in one. I mean, I mean the cameras like it looked like it was like a downpour of rain. There was so much <laughs> beer flying around. But I think a huge success for them. Burt Kreischer ends up like teeing off in the pro am and taking his shirt off. Like, <laughs> wait, Burt Kreischer took his shirt off. I know. Surprise. What? But they're doing every. They did everything right in this event. Yeah. But would you guys? I mean, the stadium hole once again. It's like I think these are going to have to start becoming staples at just about every big event. Like the stadium hole concept is beautiful. Like even though Pete Dye kind of created that with like with sawgrass and naturally, but with the stands and like making it completely closed in, I think it's great. I think it's something Live really needs to embrace. Like if they're yeah. trying oh, to be golf absolutely. but louder and all that kind of stuff, like they need to have a hole that is a little just you know way more upbeat than everywhere else on the course. You know, guys where, where have party the is. walkout music and can yeah. kind of embrace the fans a lot more and yeah definitely they they should be doing that everywhere yeah. i think you do a full stadium par five 700 yards <laughs> lined on all sides like the roman empathy like the roman circus with a personal keg for every seat it's completely straight it's five hundred thousand people <laughs> it's just lying it's like a little like f1 like a nascar race kind of like <laughs> yeah tailgating the man <laughs> tailgating around. i mean it'd be intimidating 
And if you hit it in the fans that they can catch the ball. Right, no, they get to do whatever they want with the ball. They can throw, they can throw it ahead. Yeah. yeah. What was the, was it the Canadian open last year? They had those like suspended seats that oh, were way yeah, up in the yeah, air. Like let's, let's start trying some shit like that. Get, get the fans closer, different angles. Yeah. That's coming up soon. I think again, here, right? That was, that was a, you know, as like an obvious, like, I don't know, non proponent of live. I tell you, man, it's really been good for golf, right? The elevated events, the stadium holes, the making golf more fun. I mean, even full swings kind of like, I felt like that was on the table. But then when live became a thing, we're like, we definitely got to make this now. There's a lot of derivatives here from live that are making golf a lot more enjoyable for everybody. What's crazy is how much like some of the PGA Tour's biggest, you know, anti-live guys have come out and fully acknowledge that. Yep. You know, your Rory's, your Rom's, Scotty, Jordan, everyone's acknowledged. like, yeah, I mean, it did help us, but. I think it's, it's just it's Greg Norman. Like, I think I just hate Greg Norman. <laughs> I, like, I think that Liv's premise maybe isn't just to, like, completely compete People with the PGA change. Tour. It's like yeah. we're just kind of presenting a new way to watch golf, which I can get behind a little bit. But it's just like Greg Norman comes out and says, screw the PGA Tour. They never had our back. It's like, Greg, I think you're missing the point here. They'll, they'll ax him. I mean, I think we're kind of in a honeymoon phase with Liv right now. It's like the thing that will be not so great is if these guys can't qualify for the majors and they don't let them in. And that will feel weird. And like, as long as they can keep playing the majors, that's, that's cool with me. And the Ryder cups and the Ryder cups. cups yeah. Long, yeah. I think that's the next thing up is figuring out these world golf ranking points. Like, I think I respect yeah. the stance that the OWGR took where they're like, you can't just start a league and get points. And like, we got to figure this out, but it feels like they're dragging their feet a little bit. Like these guys, all these players have world, you know, they're all qualified players. We need to figure out how to get them world ranking points. All right. A couple other things. Uh, Dubby, you and I both were texting. We watched the end of the women's first major, the Chevron class championship, uh, a new course for them, a playoff. Like, I don't know. There weren't a lot of people on the course. I would say like when I tuned in, I was like, Oh my God, this is a major and no one's here. But I saw a tweet after the fact where like viewership was the best it's been in a decade for a women's major. So people were definitely tuning in. What did you think about the final couple holes in the playoff? Yeah, that that's incredible. I was just going to say it really felt like they were trying to make it a major, which obviously it is, but it didn't really feel that way. Like you said, watching, it didn't feel that like well attended and, and didn't quite carry the same pomp as like a normal major, especially when they're going to be playing Pebble Beach in a couple months. But yeah, I, I was playing my own round of golf and out, and so I, I got back just in time to watch the playoff and – and then hearing them talk about what led up to that point and seeing some of the highlights, like one of the leaders, what is it? Ataya was in the lead. She dunks, oh. like, rins is one dunks in the water. Dunks her shot on the par five Makes last. double to, to knock herself out of the lead and playoff contention. Somebody else, I think, in her same group hit a shank. Yeah, on that I can't hole. remember her name. Yeah, Alim Kim, I yep, believe Kim. is who it was. And then the playoff, like the, who was it? Angel. Angel uh, Yin. Angel Yin, yeah, hits, hits her approach shot in the water, which... That's one of those holes you have a backboard. Like, yeah. you cannot come up short under any circumstance. The TIO, you got to use it. Yeah, so she could have just, you know, hit it 20 yards long into the rafters or into the bleachers, got a free drop, you know, gone on and made a pretty easy birdie. But, you know, hats off to Lilia Vu. I think she's been playing some of the best golf this year and, and definitely, uh, you know, kind of worked hard to get to this point, kind of grinded it out, hasn't played very well for a number of years, and then really turning a corner over the last 6, 12 months and, so she's one of the, the top women of the game. Did I hear you guys say she doesn't know how to swim? 
Oh, so the, yeah, so this is the classic uh, championship that used, they used to jump into the water in Poppy's Pond, and then this is the first year they're not playing up Poppy's Pond, or I can't remember what the course was called. So they had to put a dock in the, the water that was right off the 18th hole, and they jumped off, and then the, the dock was kind of, like, yeah, bouncing. Like, and, nose, like, and, like, I thought the caddy was going to fall at one point, but then, yeah, when Lilia jumped in, she, like, came up, and then she went to go swim back to the dock, and she's, like, she's, like four feet yeah. from the dock, and she puts her head down and starts swimming. <laughs> she's not going anywhere. Like, Gator-infested <laughs> waters. Yeah, that's, that was a great idea idea i think we can nix that for next year i think uh lpga tour golf's in a like an interesting spot here maybe where the pga tour was like uh eight years ago where there's just not many clear dominant golfers like nelly and lydia and jinny and co and they're all really talented but they're all kind of like maybe falling a little flat in majors and then the other thing is like the women's game's a little hard to like uh parallel to the pga tour because we have our you know our four majors the pga the masters the open and the u.s open the women have the U.S. Open, a PGA, and an Open, and then they have the Evian and the Chevron, which are two declared majors. Random. But it, it is very random. Random. <clears throat> so it's, I don't know, tuning into this event, you know it's a major, but it's also called the Chevron Championship Classic. Like, I don't know. It feels weird. But, uh, yeah, another point. You mentioned her, Nelly Corder, probably my favorite golfer right now. Hard to see her not be able to at least be in contention. She got a, a T2, I think, an, I think an eagle on the 72nd hole. She's now the number one uh, female in the world, but it did kind of feel like she fell flat again in a major. Oh, yeah, she shoots 71 on Sunday. She shoots 70. She gets into the playoffs. It was ripe for the taking. I mean, she could have gone out there. I I know she didn't have her best stuff, but, you know, it's it's getting to the point now. Like, okay, we we have kind of declared you the next greatest U.S. golfer, and she's just not quite getting it done. So I am really hopeful she can kind of turn it around and – Get her back, get herself back into contention regularly, and and kind of leading some of these leaderboards. Because you're right, that's why we've seen the PGA Tour take off. They have guys separating right now, which is I think what makes an intriguing storyline is you have people separating and clearly being great, and the the women's game just doesn't quite have that anymore. And I think five to eight years ago, the PGA Tour really lacked that we had guys like jordan who were in a slump rory was in a slump jt wasn't quite there yet but now we're kind of getting to the point where these guys are really elevating and the playoff being angel yin and lilia vu are good examples because both of them were highly touted touted athletes out of college and had early success in their careers and then fell off right almost like where both of them both of them were thinking about quitting golf and then all of a sudden they're both contending in a major in 2023 but you're right those are two good examples of if they started turning like putting the pedal down they could be good athletes that people could follow and get behind. But if they're just going to show up every once in a while, it's tough to really, I don't know, coherently track players. All right. And then coming up this week, right? Not another huge event, but we got a couple big names in the field. The Vedanta Mexico open John Rom defending champ. I'll say when I walked in this room, when we were going to, before the podcast, I'm like, I'm thinking John Rom's got to be exhausted at this point. And Dub, you mentioned how John just mentions that he loves golf and he just, even after he wins the masters on Sunday, he takes Monday off, but he's out chipping and putting on Tuesday. I think John's going to catch a little – he's going to get a little uh, – he needs a little breather here. He's going to start getting tired because he hasn't had a week off in forever. Uh, but we also got Tony Finau who came in second last year. He's playing again. And then, like, I think, like, third biggest name is, like, Gary Woodland. So not a ton to watch for this week. But if, if we get a Tony and John Rom final pairing or something like that, I would definitely tune in. Yeah, back to what kind of Ken was talking about earlier. Like, these are the kind of events that they should be pushing, you know, storylines out there, trying different things on the broadcast because I am going to be honest, I probably won't watch any of this. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of follow along. Do you have a golf podcast? But, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, watch some of the highlights, but it's there's not many storylines. 
Well, the big big uh, storyline for me that I just realized is the guys who aren't there, the whole Hispanic live contingency, right? The Abe Answer, yeah. uh, Joaquin, yeah. uh, Ortiz. Like, I mean, this is the tournament that they should be, would have been the flagship players in. And Rom, I mean, I honestly feel like Rom is going to this just because he speaks Spanish. I think that's, <laughs> I mean, that's why he was there last yeah, time. He's, I think. Defending, he's champion, defending champion, so he's champion back, after last, last year. He kind of like yeah. feels like he needs to. He's from I mean, the Spin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like that's I, how they say it. But like I, you know, I mean, it's uh, it feels like it just feels like I'm looking at the names here, and it's just like I don't see that many. I mean, I see a lot of Hispanic players, maybe that are like more local, but like I don't see any of the top guys. I mean, so that feels like a big. That feels like talking about the Australian market, the Central and South American market. Like Liv is definitely going to be dominating that corner, and I feel like this is the type of tournament the PGA is going to like might lose in a couple of years. I mean, they might just not do this tournament. I think it's year. pretty obvious the barriers that Australia presented being like six thousand miles away from the <laughs> yeah. continental US. Share border with Central Mexico. and South America is primed for a golf explosion, and we yeah. lost all those players to Liv, and I think that's yeah. super upsetting. Being you know just out you know just out the back door kind of, and I think this is a good event where the PGA Tour really needs to start beefing it up and start growing. In its presence, I actually saw where PGA Tour Latino America and PGA Tour Canada are going to be merging into PGA Tour Americas as like a growth mm-hmm. platform to the PGA Tour. Which interesting, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's know. a good or bad yeah, move. It feels yeah. like they're kind of like maybe they're taking the identity away from the PGA Tour Latino America. But you're right. I mean, we lose all those players to live. There's such good golf down there, and this is an event that they should just absolutely capitalize on. And there's only maybe two players in the top 20 in the world at this event. No, I think that's exactly right. I think there's only two top players. That's yeah. unbelievable. It's just, just uh Ram and uh, Fee now, which I didn't want to last. Yeah. They were one and two last year. <laughs> <laughs> Wyndham Clark is currently third in the odds right now. Some great value out there. If you're, you're going to bet, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't would, bet on John Ram at plus two, six. I would love to see team. John win this, right. Just add to his resume, but he's got, I gotta, gotta believe he's tired. So I believe there's probably some value out there for some of these guys, some of these younger guys. I don't know. You mentioned Nikolai Hoygaard one of the DP World Tour players that now has temporary full status on the PGA Tour. He's an incredible golfer, and he's looking to break through. This would be a good week to do it. Yeah, you keep saying like how you think Rom's going to be tired and stuff like that, but you know, he's going to be right back at it at another designated event next week at the Wells that, Fargo. I know. So and like, I want to see him show up for that one, so if he yeah. maybe misses a cut this week, yeah, I'm so not going to be super yeah, upset. Yeah, it would be very interesting, but like, you kind of thought that he'd be that way at the RBC Absolutely. after the Masters, then he had like a top of 12 or something. Yeah, he like played that. great. So yeah, it's, it's like, like the Byron Nelson after. Maybe he'll miss that one, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's probably. That'll be where he takes week. off. He'll, he'll yeah. take a week off and then be at the PGA. I mean, he's only working f- four days a week. I mean, come on. <laughs> more Please. than you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, bud. I am taking Rom to win this week in my betting, but I'm doing nice it in a parlay. Bet. I'm taking him and Will Levis to be number one pick overall. <laughs> Gets me to like 1,800. That's so. a weird pick. So, so, so what you're saying is it's going to lose before John Rom gets, <laughs> misses the cut? Is that just because CJ Stroud's one? Lick was so bad. <laughs> we also got Jimmy Walker, 150 to one, played pretty good uh, two weeks ago at the RBC. So yeah, he's, he's, he's beat the Lyme disease. Now he's back and ready in full form. <laughs> Jimmy Walker, top 20. Good whiskey. Yeah, good whiskey. His brother makes it. All right, that does it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram. Check us out at Big Players Only Pod and our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. We'll see you next week.